TVMR FM Naval City KCPC Camino Today is Wednesday, May 25th. It's 6 p.m. and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. The country continues to grapple with the horror of the latest mass shooting as lawmakers in Sacramento debate what can be done here in California to curtail the manufacture and sale of illegal guns. The California Report has the story. After local news, Felton Pruitt talks with Stuart Baker about the upcoming event to celebrate the reopening of Commercial Street in Nevada City. Reed Hamilton of Nevada County Climate Action Now talks green banking to close out our newscast. This is the California Report. I'm Kate Wolf. As tragedy was unfolding yesterday at an elementary school in Texas where a gunman opened fire, killing 19 children and two teachers, lawmakers in Sacramento were debating their own gun legislation. Southern California State Senator Anthony Portantino addressed his colleagues on the Senate floor. Sadly, members, within the last hour, there's been another tragic shooting at an elementary school in Texas. Let me say that again. Within the last hour, there was a tragic shooting at an elementary school in Texas. So when we debate these issues, they're real, they're imminent, and they're around us. A bill authored by Portantino was approved by the Senate yesterday. He explains what it would allow Californians to do. Specifically, this bill creates this right of action that allows someone to bring a lawsuit against those who manufacture, distribute, transport, import, or sell illegal assault weapons, ghost guns, and our latest gun kits. Governor Gavin Newsom pushed for the idea earlier this year after the U.S. Supreme Court gave preliminary approval to a Texas law allowing people to go after those who provide or assist in providing abortions. The bill is now headed to the Assembly. California's Water Board voted yesterday to roll out statewide mandatory water restrictions in the face of an ongoing drought. Last year, Governor Gavin Newsom urged residents to voluntarily cut their water use by 15 percent. But by March, usage was actually up by 19 percent. The new regulations ban irrigating turf at commercial, industrial and institutional properties and require urban water suppliers to limit homes to just two days a week of yard watering, something about half had still not done. Violators can now be charged up to $500. Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just health care system. On the web at chcf.org slash health equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. An investigation by KPCC in Los Angeles has found that the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation has moved people known as medical parolees to an institution that the federal government has stripped of its certification. 
That's after the facility consistently violated standards of patient care. The medical parole program is for people who are immobile, people who are paraplegic, quadriplegic, or have suffered from strokes. KPCC's Aaron Mendelson reports. In 2021, government regulators visited Golden Legacy Care Center in the San Fernando Valley. They found a patient cuffed to a bed by his right ankle, even though he couldn't move on his own. The inspector said the restraints caused the man's bed sores. The ulcers were so bad, he had to be hospitalized. The man was incarcerated, not on medical parole, but several other people there were, and regulators found their rights as patients were also being violated. Residents weren't able to move around freely. They weren't allowed phones or visitors of their choice. That doesn't sound like you're creating a skilled nursing facility there. It sounds like you're just trying to create a prison by another name. Dan Mistak is with the nonprofit Community-Oriented Correctional Health Services. The violations led to the nursing home losing its federal certification. And our investigation shows after its certification was pulled, it got a state contract and now houses nearly every medical parolee. The facility can no longer receive Medicare funding, but also it no longer has to follow federal rules about patient rights. Yeah, it's dismaying. Tony Chikatel is an attorney with the California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform. I don't think that the population you've described has a lot of advocates arguing that this is not the right place for them. Many people in the program have been convicted of violent crimes, including rape and murder. The state says it needs to impose restrictions to ensure public safety. Harry McBride is one of the patients at Golden Legacy. He's 76 and has been incarcerated since 2012. He says he's had six heart attacks. He's paralyzed from the waist down, and he's blind. In 2020, he requested to be released from prison. Since I can't see and I can't move, I asked the doctor if there's any way I can get on medical parole. McBride's been at Golden Legacy for about three months, and he's worried. When I hit the call light, it take hours for somebody to show up. And I keep telling them, if I had another heart attack, if I have to wait five hours for somebody to stick their head in to find out what's wrong, I said, I'll be dead before you realize it. We talked to nine medical parole patients at Golden Legacy Care Center. Most were concerned about the care they were getting. There's no barber. There's no dental. There's no podiatrist. There's just a lot of don't have here. Just more like an annex to the prison system. One morning, I woke up at like 5 a.m. and I was in extreme pain. And I asked them to send me to the hospital. And they refused to send me to the hospital. To me, they're understaffed. That's Leroy Freeman, Danny Cohia, Jonas Peacock, and Harry McBride. The facility currently has a waiver to staff below the state's minimum standards. Golden Legacy did not return requests for an interview or answer any of our questions by phone or email. They didn't make anyone available when we showed up in person. Corrections Department spokesperson Vicki Waters said in a statement, the agency is committed to the health and well-being of patients. She said, quote, these are people in our custody and charge, and it is our responsibility to balance providing needed health care to them while also ensuring public safety. Leah Dowd says the state's restrictions are extreme. She's with Uncommon Law, an organization that provides legal help for people navigating parole. These are people with serious medical conditions, so they don't pose a public safety risk. She says California has let them down. These are incarcerated people who are really caught in the crossfire between the state and the federal rules, and that's through no fault of their own. The Corrections Department says it had to move people to Golden Legacy or send them back to prison. The changes to the program have left medical parolees isolated and far from family. 
One medical parole patient with a terminal illness told us his family is all he has, and they haven't been able to visit. For the California Report, I'm Aaron Mendelson. This story was co-reported with KPCC's LEU. Tomorrow, she'll bring you part two of the investigation about the secrecy around the decision to move parolees to Golden Legacy. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, May 25th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Kate Wolf. Thanks for listening. On Friday, May 20th, Congressman Doug LaMalfa announced that he has secured $6.6 million in federal funding for three projects throughout Nevada County. The Nevada County Sheriff's Office Dispatch Center will be awarded a $4.8 million community-oriented policing services technology and equipment grant for radio infrastructure improvements. Through the process that was kind of uh, renewed here in the last year and a half, um, we've secured $6.6 million through the fiscal year 2022 appropriations bill for three community grant programs for here in Nevada County. So. Uh, Sheriff's Office, their dispatch center will be awarded a $4.8 million community-oriented police service technology and equipment grant. This money will be used for radio infrastructure improvements. The current radio towers and system limit and system limit communications within Nevada County for all agencies. That's been kind of an age-old problem with being able to stay interconnected and all that. With the fire danger we have, as well as you know things that happen normally with emergencies day to day. We need to have that interconnectedness with all of our agencies and keep updating so we we can do that. North San Juan will receive a fire suppression system through a United States Department of Agricultural Community Facilities grant. This funding will be used to install a 330,000-gallon water storage tank, pipeline, and fire hydrants in the downtown core of North San Juan. The town currently lacks public water service and an emergency water pipeline for fire suppression. We have a $1,050,000 USDA money amount that we were able to uh, put together for USDA Community Facilities Grant for the North San Juan Fire Suppression System. We know how vulnerable they are up that way, too. This forested town currently lacks a public water service as well as an emergency water pipeline for fire suppression. This will help to install a 330000 gallon water storage tank, pipeline, and fire hydrants in the downtown core of North San Juan. The project will will bring much-needed advances to North San Juan's ability to fight fires and expand the access to centralized public water will allow for more business expansion in downtown areas. So a big win-win for right in the core of San Juan, North San Juan. So new development projects are required to either drill a new well and install a water storage tank or form a legal agreement with an existing business who already has that and is willing to share their water. Maybe not always the easiest thing. It's indeed critical for the public safety and some economic vitality for the folks up there, deserving folks of North San Juan. The Cal Fire Nevada Yuba Placer Unit will receive $750,000 for the Ponderosa West Grass Valley Defense Zone, awarded through the United States Forest Service's State and Private Forestry Landscape Restoration Program. This project was listed in Nevada County's Local Hazard Mitigation Plan and is ranked the number one priority project in the Nevada County Community Wildfire Protection Plan for Western Nevada County. These funds will be used for wildfire fuel reduction treatment on 600 acres of private land. Lastly, 
I'm pleased to announce that Cal Fire Nevada Yuba Plaster Unit will receive $750,000 for the Ponderosa West Rass Valley Defense Zone. It will be awarded through the U.S. Forest Service State and Private Forestry Landscape Restoration Program. Those will be used for wildfire fuel reduction treatment on 600 acres of private lands, which are currently overgrown with dense vegetation and at risk of an uncontrollable wildfire. Indeed, we had a got a briefing from our local Cal Fire representatives uh, just a couple of years ago on how much that means with how the prevailing winds and such work over on that side, and this will be an important step towards giving it again a broad defensible space. So the project was listed in Nevada County's local hazard mitigation plan and is ranked the number one priority in the Nevada County Community Wildfire Protection Plan for Western Nevada County. So we we work to prioritize that within the funding asks we're able to make so that would be uh, uh, a really big win for the type of fire safety we've been talking about and really really trying to accomplish so we're really really pleased with that and all three projects now for regional weather in grass valley and nevada city tonight partly cloudy with a low around 64. thursday we'll see increasing clouds with a high near 81. thursday night will be partly cloudy with a low around 56. In Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 50. Thursday, increasing clouds with a high near 73. Thursday night, mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly clear with a low around 46. In Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight mostly clear with a low around 59 degrees. Expect increasing clouds on Thursday with a high near 84. On Thursday night, Mostly cloudy during the early evening, then becoming mostly clear with a low around 57. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. On Saturday, June 11th, the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce will hold its 120th awards dinner. Felton Pruitt spoke this afternoon with Stuart Baker to get the lowdown. We're talking with Stuart Baker, the executive director for the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce, who are putting on the Welcome Back Commercial Street celebratory meal on June 11th. You got all the information, Stuart. Let's have it. I do. Um, So the festivities start at 6 o'clock. We'll be having a um, three-course meal. Uh, the first course provided by the National Hotel. The second course is the main course. The uh, choice between a, um, a homemade lasagna from Three Forks or a ramen bowl from the Hartwood Eatery. And then we'll be finishing things off with a treat from Treats. So that's the lineup of the food. And then we're going to be acknowledging... Uh, a couple of folks in the community that have uh, gone far and above in the last year to make Nevada City a better place. We'll be doing our annual awards, which were um, scheduled to happen in January, but due to a COVID bump, um, that had to be postponed. Um, we'll be uh, acknowledging the, the National Hotel for um, the Architectural Award, Stan Hall Architectural Award, uh, we'll be uh, acknowledging the Miners Foundry, and then several individuals. Uh, Judith Lowry will be getting the Elza Kilroy Award 
for her contribution as an artist. And Mimi Simmons will be getting the Dave Irons Lifetime Achievement for Award for all of the uh, work and support that she's done for Nevada City youth and um, other civic causes. So this is also called the Long Table event, isn't it? Yes, and there's a reason for that, Felton. That's because we're going to be putting out a long table down um, the newly reconfigured and reimagined Commercial Street, um, which allows for plenty of room for folks, because we all know everyone still has a tad bit of concern about um, COVID, etc. So um, the table will be long. There'll be a place for uh, people to stretch out and sit, and we'll be serving the meal there. And uh, there'll be wine and beer and uh, soft drinks as well. But that's the event, and it'll celebrate the um, the completion of Commercial Street. The city has been really wonderful in keeping to uh, their schedule as, as well, I should say, as the, the contractors doing the work. And um, we'll have the chance. It'll be uh, the folks that um, visit that night will have the, the first peek at how things look now that everything is done in terms of construction. And this is all happening Saturday, June 11th. We call it, we used to call it the Long Table event. Now it's the Welcome Back Commercial Street Celebratory Meal. If people want more information, where do they go? Uh, super simple. You just go to the NevadaCityChamber.com uh, website, and uh, on the homepage, there's a link to the uh, Long Table event, and uh, you can read the details of the event, and you scroll to the bottom, click Buy a Ticket. Tickets are $50 a person, and uh, then uh, make your selection of whether you want the meal from um, Hartwood or the meal from Three Forks, and you're all set. When is Commercial Street going to be open? Uh, Commercial Street will officially be open that weekend. I mean, it's open right now, uh, but the work will have been done by that time. So um, please, in the meantime, uh, definitely support the businesses there. They've really struggled over the last few months because the street has really gone through a complete metamorphosis and the construction was a challenge. So if you um, can support the businesses there in the meantime, I know they'd certainly appreciate it. All right. We've been talking with Stuart Baker, the executive director of the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce. Thanks for uh, letting us know about the long table event, Stuart. Yeah, no problem, Felton. In tonight's closing commentary, Reed Hamilton of Nevada County Climate Action Now challenges us to put our money where our values are. A lot of us start getting nervous as wildfire season approaches and it's here way early this year. A third year of drought and record dry grass, brush, and trees have created a tinderbox. Global warming is responsible, especially for the higher average temperatures we are seeing every year. Most of us are probably really frustrated by gridlock in our nation's capital in regard to passing effective climate legislation and regulating fossil fuel development. We may have personally made sincere efforts to reduce our own climate impacts, invested in solar systems and electric cars, or made our houses more energy efficient, but that isn't enough. But there is a relatively simple way we can all take action to change this, where we keep our money. The latest report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change says we must stop developing any new fossil fuel sources if we are to keep global temperatures below the point where dire heat and weather create an irreversible crisis. 
In the short term, we're all dependent on these fuels and are caught up in a global shortage caused in part by a dictatorial regime, Russia, invading a democratic neighbor. All the more reason to get unhooked from coal, oil, and gas. Renewable energy sources like solar, wind, and batteries have fallen 85% in cost since 2010, so developing such energy sources is now in many cases cheaper than fossil fuels anyway. But since the Paris Climate Accords, the world's major banks have loaned $3.8 trillion to the big oil companies for new wells and pipelines. Yes, there are environmental impacts in building out these renewable energy sources, but they pale in comparison to the destructive effects of burning carbon. Four big banks, Chase, Wells Fargo, Citibank, and Bank of America, provide most of the loans for new wells and pipelines. If we have accounts in any of these banks, there's no need to wait for Congress to act. You can find a new home for your account and then send the bank a letter saying that you're moving your money because they're lending for fossil fuels. If enough people take this relatively simple step, it will move billions of dollars and send a message to the banks, especially if your action is part of a well-publicized campaign that lets people know how they can act. There are many organizations working on this strategy, and any of them are worthwhile, but I find the most comprehensive to be Stop the Money Pipeline. They are a coalition of groups working to defund fossil fuel development by banks, insurance companies, and Wall Street, as well as holding Congress and the White House accountable. On their website, you can find all kinds of background information, their various campaigns, tools to move your account, and links to greener banks. Their website is StopTheMoneyPipeline.com, all lowercase and no spaces. There are some banks that specifically invest in renewables or socially beneficial development that you may want to look into. Stop the Money Pipeline's website includes a link to Bank for Good, which has a tool for finding a green bank using various screens for your preferences. Bank.green is another site that is linked to both of the websites I just mentioned. If you want to keep your money local, most credit unions and local banks do not invest in fossil fuels, but you can ask them. Now is the time to set aside our discouragement with turning back global warming and take a simple step that can be a big step to push back on global warming. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only, and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors. And that's our newscast. KVMR gets support from Atmosphere Design Build, a full-service architecture and construction firm creating distinctively modern, high-performance buildings throughout Northern California, specializing in net-zero energy homes for a low-carbon future. AtmosphereDesignBuild.com And Sierra Timberline, since 1978 offering a wide selection of contemporary to traditional American-made interior and outdoor furniture for our Foothills lifestyle. Open Monday through Saturday on Idaho Maryland Road in Grass Valley. Online store at sierratimberline.com. Coming up next, it's the Sages Among Us. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a good evening.